Sarah, you ready? As I'll ever be. You're listening to the Vocal Fry Podcast, your weekly dash of voice science, pedagogy, and pop culture. Coming to you from your semi-occluded vocal tract, have you practiced today? Exciting stuff. Hold on one second. Oh, no, I can't. Hold on one second. We're recording. I know. That's why ah! I was like, he's being really quiet. Ah! The theme song has ended. Right. I played the theme song. Ah, vocal fam. <laughs> what a hot mess we are the first week of the semester. Vocal uh, look, fam. Some of us have been back. Okay, well. Every time I saw posts about MC just being back, I was like, oh, I wonder what that's like to not have been back in school for the past two. Wait, this might have been our third week. It's all a blur. It's all a blur. Vocal fam, how's your spring semester going? Did you just start or are you three weeks deep already? Where Uh, are you at in your life, vocal fam? That's a great question. (laughs) I mean, that might be the question of the hour in one sense is Mm. how you doing, everybody? You hanging in there? You know, it's January. 2021 feeling a we lot are like already one month out of the dark in one more month we'll only be a couple of weeks from the time change the mm. days are getting longer that's true that's true it's nice it's nice yeah it, it definitely i don't know the darkness it, it makes a difference how's it your does. spring started sarah's teaching going well you got the arts academy up and running it's up. It's running. Um, lots of little dancers. It's funny. Dance is definitely the big one that kids sign up for. Um, that sounds it's, right. Yeah, it's going. It's going. Piano lessons, all that good stuff. Moving. This is right now. At this point, I'm like the Arts Academy. Right, right. That because this week, this past week, and next week is actually really big for admissions. And for summer camps, blah. Because our first round of admissions decisions for Mount Pisgah Christian School go out this coming week. Ah, so, you know, exciting if you're listening year. to this, friends, and you, you happen to have been thinking about applying, now would be the time to do so. Right. I know we have so many. It's definitely audition season for our most of our, you know, graduate and undergraduate university programs yeah. as well. January, February, maybe the yeah. first couple of weeks of March. Uh, this is definitely that season. So if you're out there, if you're a Vocal Fry listener, fam, a part of the Vocal Fam, and you're also applying to graduate programs, perhaps, and whatever, we wish you the best of luck. Godspeed and a healthy journey. That's um, true. A bunch of my students had little auditions over this past weekend. I mean, for like school stuff. Nothing, nothing is like huge as, yeah, I'm auditioning to go to prestigious conservatory or anything like that. That'd be cool, though. Sure. Uh, any case. Um, How was y'all's first week back? I saw uh, many funny videos. Can I just say, Vocal Fam, <laughs> if you're in the Academy, you'll understand this. Being in the Academy and going into a semester is kind of like being a nice, healthy chicken and then being thrown into a pot of boiling water. That's really the only thing I can compare it to. I honestly don't know how to respond to that. (laughs) Maybe a vat of boiling oil 
actually. That's kind so you're of you're a fried chicken? I think yeah, basically you go from being a nice healthy chicken to being a fried chicken overnight. So is this like this is a bad thing, yeah? Well, it's fine. Like by the end of the week, you're kind of like, okay, we're here. It's fine. I like fried chicken. Yeah. But the I first 24 to 48 hours of an academic semester are just stressful. They no, it's not that they're stressful even. I I wasn't even really that stressed out like by anything. It's just like you go from 0 to 100 instantaneously. And and then I, I I've always been amazed. You expect there to be some kind of finish line at the end of the semester? No, you just go from a hundred to zero. Not that you don't have stuff going on, <sighs> but you just go from a hundred to zero overnight again. It's it's well, very want. strange explaining it to friends who are not in the academy. Um, yeah. Because that's kind of what it feels like sometimes. Uh, speaking of the academy, can I just say, I haven't talked about ped classes nearly enough this year. So Perna did something new again. I'm shocked. Get ready for Changing it, Changing a class, fam. trying something new. Well, it, it, this Unheard was... Unheard of. This was not a drastic change. Okay, but I'm ready But for Sarah. It. Okay. You remember how... Hold on, I want to close my piano so I don't mistakenly hit any piano keys. As we, <laughs> you know how, like, I'll just all of a sudden say, well, you know, Venard said, or I'll say, well, in Burton Coffin's book, or I'll say, well, Marchese. You know how I say stuff like that all the time? All the time, yes. She can confirm, every I can fam. confirm. This is real. This is real. And you're sitting in the class, and you're like, well, you know, this is my first pedagogy class ever, so <laughs> no, I don't, actually. Thank you, though. So it's taken me many years to realize <laughs> that, you know, I'll use a textbook. And then, of course, obviously, Vocal Fam, I'll use my own materials. I use a lot of my own materials for resonance and and uh, this kind of thing and, and, and other people's materials. And I'll use articles, the supplements and, and, and what have you. But I realized I need to start this class. And, and what made me think of it was, so I'm, I'm trying out Vocal Athlete this term as a textbook for grad okay. pet for, for grad ped one we're trying it out we'll see how it goes yeah. okay um i've historically used uh, your voice and inside view um mm-hmm. and i may go back to that i don't really know um i'm, I'm right now I'm, I'm i'm playing around with with vocal athlete for a semester for the grad anat and physio course kind of ped one mm-hmm. um we'll see how it goes so but it has uh, as as she talked about on the podcast when Wendy and Marcy were on uh, Vocal Fry back in December, mm-hmm. you know she talked about the fact that that chapter, the history of vocal pedagogy, of classical vocal pedagogy, was from her dissertation, and it sort of evolved from that. And it's a really nice overview up to Venard. Okay. And then also includes like a bibliography of other important voice pedagogy texts. That's handy. Yeah, it's a good bibliography to to have, if nothing else. And then it also allowed me at the... Well, anyway, so... (laughs) Well, let me me say that point. It allowed me at the end of the uh, the the lecture to just also be like, you know, here are the other texts that I would really like you to be aware of. Yeah. Because it's not like in one class you're going to ever have time to read everything that's ever been written on the history of voice pedagogy or on voice pedagogy. 
Yeah. Yeah. No, you can't do it all. You kind of have to pick one and work your way through it. Yeah. Or, and, and with supplemental materials. Well, yeah, and yeah. Whatever. Like this semester, God bless, God bless that class. We're also using Herbst's, Herbst's new snake pit articles Amazing. that were Journal of Singing this year. Amazing. Um, so, you know, God bless the registration unit that we're going to do here in a little bit. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, we'll read the registration chapter in, in Vocal Athlete, but then we're going to also read Herbst's two articles. And like who knows, it. part three Is there might... always like an animal aspect to your ped classes? Ferrets, snakes... Maybe. You gotta have one every semester. Maybe we'll just start sem- calling it like Masters in Vocal per- Pedagogy and, and what's the animal. study of vet- and veterinary sciences. <laughs> it could be your mascot. Maybe. Ferret and a snake. Ferret and a snake. Think about it. It could be wrapped up fighting. Ferret, kind amazing. of like, kind of like the medical. Uh, yeah, yeah. I don't. Except what over it's like a vocal fry logo. Yeah, that's kind of what I'm picturing. Or like they form the V themselves. Thoughts. Just... This is what you needed on a Saturday. A snake and a ferret Every worked into the vocal fry logo. logo. <laughs> hmm. No, no, it's mostly a joke. <laughs> and then you've got the bacon hmm. in the app. It gets better and better. Oh, gosh. Anyway. Anyway. Back to... So, we did this lecture. I thought it was just good to really take a second and just go back. And we. Ba- I sort of kept it. I brought out the Stark history of Belcanto as well. Oh, cool. Just so that, you know, I could introduce that to them. Because it's in the bibliography. But I, cool. I, I, I was, you know, telling them you know hey this is if you want to really dive deeper into the history of voice pedagogy yeah the stark is the book you need to read yeah you know um and i mean and it could obviously even use updating at this point that that book was dates to like 2003 so i mean you know it could really probably use a second edition um I don't know Stark. I've never met him. I don't even know if he's still living. He may very well be perfectly alive and healthy. I have no idea. Yeah. Um, but anyway, but we sort of focused on what Dr. LeBourne put in the chapter. Um, and so, you know, we covered Tozy so that they knew, when I talked about Tozy, they knew. Go, yeah. Totally. And here's what I found interesting. Here's what I tr- what I thought was interesting, and here's why I'm going to continue to do this lecture to start this class from here on forward. Because I covered in a day, I had it was a full 75 minute block. I it probably really would have taken me. I could easily devote two classes to it, but mm-hmm. I just kind of don't want to devote two whole classes to it. I get that. Um, but. What I, the way I framed the information was here's when this teacher was teaching. Let's now consider the style of singing and music that was being performed at the time. Yeah, yeah. You know, so like when we consider Tozi, that book came out in seven, that treatise was written in 1723. You know? Yeah. And so it was an important musicological conversation for us to say, okay, 1723, 
This is the High Baroque. Mm-hmm. What kind of singing would have been done in Italy in that, forget Bach. Yeah, throw that out the window. Different country. What kind of singing oh. would have been done at in Italy at this first and that was also like first of all Tozzi you know, was teaching Castrati primarily um, that was uh, also that's a different thing to take into perspective too right. it's not just like the composer because I think if you start thinking about composers high baroque blah 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 you almost think about how you would sing it but not well this would probably be a Castrati <laughs> right um, so so then we were framing like you know okay we're talking about Scarlatti Mm-hmm. We're talking about Vivaldi, mm-hmm. Handel's Italian operas, mm-hmm. of you know, eventually. Yeah. But we're talking about opera seria, basically. You know, that, that's, that's essentially what we're talking about. And I think that was a good framing, and maybe even a little bit before that, you know. Some, you know but I think that was a good framing of just to put us in context. And then we moved on, and of course, you know, we did, um, we, we covered Mancini, and then we covered, uh, of course, both Garcia the Father, mm-hmm. and then we put Garcia the Father in the context of the early 1800s, that it was the era of bel canto, that yeah. it was the high bel canto era where he was, you know, talking about his teaching. Um, and, and the concepts of portamento and agility (laughs) and legato and you know these were critical to being able to execute the music of the day you know Mm -hmm. um and then of course garcia the sun and by this point we're in the you know high romantic and Mm. we're talking about verdi we've already had all the bel canto folks we we've had french grand opera we, you know, mm-hmm. we're we're into a new era. We're we're within a decade at that point of of the notorious high C and chest voice for the tenor. So I mean, we're really you know progressing toward yeah. whatever. And I just think that the perspective of linking the voice pedagogy to the musicology, you know, and then getting to Marchese. And talking about the first really important female voice pedagogue, 1900, we're in the era of the Verismo. Mm-hmm. You know, we're, po- we're in a post-Wagnerian world. And then eventually, of course, working up to Venard and linking it to Venard and then linking Venard and then talking, you know, just very briefly at the end, you know, going also over, okay, then we had... You know, we had Appleman and Burton Coffin and Richard Miller. And, oh, then, and oh, then, yeah. of course, we have McKinney and Dosher and and a lot of the rest of them, you know, and, and, and brought up other important texts along the way. Okay? Mm-hmm. Of course. But um, I just think rather than diving into anything about singing, just thinking of the context of voice teaching from a musicological perspective for one class just to set up now vocal fam i think you already know this about me um in general but like you know i'm obviously very pro teaching now at this point multiplistic styles Mm -hmm. we teach classical singing we teach rock singing we teach musical theater singing and we're trying to teach those singers to be whatever 
and of course diverse, but you know, I'm very pro teaching people what they want to learn how to sing. And so obviously voice pedagogy in modern years has evolved incredibly. Um, And Dr. LeBourne says that in the chapter. Um, But it was a really just, I just think too often I've, and then I also tried to link it to, okay, Venard went and studied voice science in Groningen with Jan Willem Vandenberg. Like, Mm -hmm. so this is where this name comes in. Like, like we, I talk about all these things kind of presuming that you have any idea who I was talking about. And that was my fault as an educator. Well, and it's one of those things where, like, after a while, it, you do start to just contextualize pick it up people. and contextualize and put it together and go, okay, this person was at this time, this time, this time. But I get it because, like, it is sort of the thing of, like, you really only have so many courses that you're going to take, so a limited amount of time. And so you as a teacher are kind of left with, well, how do I hit the high points? But I think taking a class and kind of putting it into context, especially... I mean, granted, you're doing this for a grad ped course, and so these are people that are, I assume everybody in there is actually getting their master's in pedagogy. In this case, yes. In this case. But sometimes it's not. And so I think that class would be particularly important if you had someone who is, you know, their focus was conducting. Right. Who I've had in that class before. that's That's what I was thinking, yeah. Is that I think that's almost more important to be like, oh, okay, this is the music like depending on the music they're doing i think it gives it more context and reference and it makes it make sense why this is more important for right them. like like for example like the um her pointing out that lamperti lamperti was adamant against modern music that's hysterical which to him was because he said that it was being ruined by singing that was on every syllable that notes changed every single syllable <laughs> which meant yeah, that, mod- that modern music right right <laughs> but 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 what <laughs> but what an important context to have, to have. Yeah. You know, um, and because look, vocal fam, did you know that voice pedagogy authors sometimes get soapboxy in their writing? I'm shocked. In their writing? Just their writing? Did you know that, vocal fam? Did you know that a voice teacher has ever held strong opinions? I can't imagine. This can't be real. Like, that doesn't sound right. I mean, I'm on Facebook all the time, and there's no soapboxes. So anyway, voice teachers have held strong opinions over the years. Mm. I know that I know that I know that you're shocked. Mm -hmm. But I think it's important when we with historical figures to put their soapboxy opinions into context. Yeah. Yeah. What were they really experiencing? And even when we consider more contemporary texts. Like the fact that Heidi Moss, who was a student of Richard Miller, has said multiple times that one of the reasons that Training Tenor Voices is not published anymore is because Richard's thinking had changed and he didn't have time before he passed to write a new edition of it. And he asked the publisher to pull it. That's crazy. Yeah. 
And yet, people still turn to training tenor voices He's as like... All the thing to go by. Oh, yes. And even the author's thinking had evolved. You know, it's like we, we never consider, like, if Marchese were alive today... <laughs> What she how might feel about that? Mom? How she might feel about yeah. Gaga's national anthem? Oh yeah, I haven't. I've only heard clips of that. But but you know what I mean? Like you know, yeah. who knows what she would think if she was around now? Probably she'd probably think it was terrible and not operatic, and you know what have you. But maybe not. I mean, after being who knows who knows really how open minded people really were or were not. Because let's That's face it. Was that an offhanded comment one time that got recorded and then like five, ten years later, she would have been like, oh gosh, yeah, I don't believe that anymore. Exactly. Well, like the thing in Marchese that she didn't teach female singers between age 12 and 18. I would literally have no students. She, she taught them from age 7 to 11 and then they had to stop and then they were allowed to teach again at age 18. I can't imagine having one of my students turn 12 and me be like, okay, bye. See you in six years. See you in six years. (laughs) I would feel so bad. (laughs) Where they just had to continue their piano studies and their study of languages. It does bring up a good point. Like how often did people back then change their minds? But think about how much harder it was to publish your thoughts and how much more work it would have been and like how things could easily get lost. Whereas now we change our mind. We go online and we're like, I don't believe this anymore. You know what I mean? Like, it's so much easier for us to publish our thoughts now and to record those. So you're saying that people go online and share their thoughts? Yeah. You know, I hear it happens on occasion. Now, I think the crazier statement would be me saying that people change their minds, but... um, Yeah, that was kind of revolutionary, (laughs) actually. I was kind of like... That might be the one that's harder to believe out of the two things I just said. Wow. (laughs) Change, yeah, yeah. That that may be a little bit rare, actually. Well, wow. Yeah, truly revolutionary. All right. Throwing some crazy things out there today. But anyway... So, Vocal Fam, if you've not ever ripped through the historical documents, they're worth reading still. Because one of the big connections that Sally Kay was making as, as we went through them was, oh, we still do that exercise today. Like when Garcia II and Marchese were both talking about the importance of the chest voice, even for sopranos. Hey. You know... But well, that, I mean, it got results. Like, there's a reason they did those exercises. Right. You know, but then also reading through them on the opposite end and going, like, with the Marchese thing and not teaching stu- sopranos or the 12 women to... between 12 to 18 and going, she was like, what? <laughs> I... Exactly. I can't imagine. Did, I mean, I'm not super familiar with her stuff. Did she feel that way about male voices? Uh, she was, I think the text is predominantly focused on training sopranos. Sopranos. Okay. I would just, I'd be curious to know, like, if she felt that way about females, like how she felt about them, but maybe she didn't teach and maybe she didn't claim to like, I don't know. I'll see now. Now I want to go read her stuff and see. Ex- ex- see? Can I, exactly. Can I dig it up and find? Of course. I mean, it's out there. Yeah. I mean, it's out there for the having. Um... So anyway, just, I think it was a really, I think it's a lecture I'm going to keep. 
I like and it. And I'm going to keep at the front end. I'm still moving to perception next. Nobody's yeah, surprised. I like it. I'm, I'm not surprised. Nobody's surprised that I'm moving <laughs> straight into listening. And do I cover listening in this course in the in-depth way that I cover it in acoustics? No. Well, it's not acoustics. But I like the fact that now I've kind of come to this place where, with the grads, where I'm like, okay, you need to know these names and who these people were and have a context for them. And you need to know that we're listening to things and how we're listening to things and how we're approaching all of the other phonation, resonation, respiration, articulation through the lens of how that impacts the perception. Yeah. Yeah. And and that's why we're still going to move to perception next, of course, but it's it's an it's an overview. It's it's like I'm I'm trying to prepare them. Okay, I know the words now. I get yes, if we're talking about pitch, okay, I understand that we're talking about harmonics two through eight and that we're talking about a construct that is perceived by the brain, not E4. Mm. And if we're talking about roughness, auditory roughness, we're talking Mm -hmm. about what the brain does when there are present overtones that are minor third or less apart and and I end up hearing a buzzy quality. Like, Mm. just the point, like, okay, I've heard of absolute spectral tone color I understand that everything, every fundamental up to C5 sounds like ooh, and that really high fundamentals sound like E. I, I understand the concept. We'll cover the more in-depth material. It was like, well, on the syllabus, even on this syllabus, I have Ian's dissertation. And I'm like, listen, just skim it for this class. <laughs> just, I don't need you to do an in-depth reading of those. We'll save uh, that. I'd rather you maybe do an in-depth reading of the sound jack guide at this point than doing an in-depth. Yeah, things that are useful now. Yeah. Um, but we'll get to that in acoustics. You know, like we'll, yeah. we'll do the more in-depth study in acoustics. And it'll be hel- helpful to have had kind of this, just having touched on it at least once exactly. going into acoustics. That it's not going to be brand new. It's going to be that second time. Exactly. And even in this class, we're doing an int. We're using um, Marcy and Wendy's chapter uh, on motor learning as like an introduction to motor learning. That's awesome. Because it's a huge topic and mm-hmm. one they need to know about. But we don't have time, even in a master's level ped course... Yeah. To cover everything there is to know about neuroscience. What? This isn't a neuroscience degree? I don't know all those things. Oh, dear. Oh, dear. Oh, dear. Now, speaking of knowing all the things and talking about pedagogy, vocal fam, okay. I just want to tell you how excited I am for your March and April. Oh my gosh, it's wild. Can I just tell you how first of all, in February, we're gonna have our, our we're gonna have two plural publishing spotlights in February. Ta-da. Which yeah. is gonna be awesome. Mm-hmm. Okay, so Vocal Fam, know that we've got two great books from Plural coming up in February. Gonna be great. But also Perna actually got himself organized. Amazing. And we are going to do a series of episodes for the first time in four years. Yeah. We've never done a series yeah, before. Yeah, this is a new thing. Yeah. We've sort of done series on pop culture stuff. Well, yeah. You know, Mando Cafe. 
Picard PhD. Yeah, I mean, there's definitely been series where we think we used to hit every Doctor Who episode and all right. kinds of things. But yeah, this is this is new for us. This is new territory for us. Yep. And I'm gonna announce it. We're gonna do a series called "So Now You're a Voice Teacher." <laughs> okay, I like it. And every episode, it'll be a five-episode series. Who knows? We might do a sixth or a seventh at some point, even in the fall, and just tag them back on. Yeah. Maybe on more specific topics even than what we're going to cover. But we are bringing on a couple of new guests. There are, there are a couple that, were, that are new guests, first-timers. A lot of old friends. But a lot of old friends. Um, and... the. The series is going to be geared toward... Look, here was, the, here was the concept. The concept was so many of our colleagues nationally have all of a sudden become voice teachers. Mm-hmm. Whether that's recent undergraduates with a music degree who are all of a sudden teaching youngsters to sing. Whether that's... All of a sudden, someone went back to grad school, and now they're a graduate assistant, and they've really never taught before. Mm -hmm. Whether that's a professional singer who pandemicked and is now opening their own little private teaching practice online, or whether it's a professional singer who happens to be moving into the academy, Um or maybe even a graduate student, doctoral candidate, who is able to get a tenure-track job and they're moving into the academy, but they weren't able to really teach much as an assistant. I don't know. We're going to do a series of episodes geared toward all of those folks. Not in one episode. Oh, no, no. That'd be very long. It'd be a... It'd be a beast. That would be terrible. Yeah. That's a whole conference. That's not, a, that's not an episode. It's not an episode. But we're going to do a series of episodes and we're bringing in some, some boy, the collective expertise in these five episodes is, fabulous. is, first of all, it's, it's probably a combined, I don't know, 250 years of voice pedagogy experience between all of us. I mean, it's, it's a lot. great. So yeah. know, Vocal Fam, know that those are coming up in March and April. Mm-hmm. And... You know, I know sometimes Vocal Fry seems like all we do is cover Star Trek. I feel like it's been a while since that's been accurate. Yeah, that's probably right. Like, the last week or two, a little maybe, but for a long time before that, it was really, it was much more pedagogy than Well, I also know that, you know, in the fall, we also only covered online music making and the pandemic. Yeah, well, you know, you got to cover what you got to cover. But so now we're trying to be responsive to what's, you know, the more thought of the day. Yeah. And and we're going to try to provide a series of episodes to help the vocal fam. And honestly, the wisdom that will come out of these episodes is also wisdom that could probably help any level of voice. I was going to say, it never hurts to get some fresh ideas. Exactly. Mix it up a little bit. Exactly. But so that the first one of those will drop on March 6th. And um, we're really excited. The name of the series, I don't know if it was intentional, makes me think of that TV show, So You Think You're Smarter Than a Fifth Grader. I don't know why. It kind of makes me think of the Nats book series, So You Want to Teach, blah, blah, blah. Oh, well, yeah. Yeah, I guess it makes me think about that, too. Yep. 
that sounds a lot better than so you think you're smarter than a fifth grader with Jeff Foxworthy. And we'll also have a so now you're a Nats teacher episode. Hey. It will be great, vocal fam. It's going to be a great. It's going to be a good time. It's going to be a great spring. We're also working on a couple of other guests um, in the coming months. And let's just say that Vocal Fry will be busy from here to May. And then I'm going to predict that Sarah and I are going to take a lot of June and July off. Look, I'm going to be running flipping. I'm just going to predict, Vocal Fam, this is not that we don't love you. But we might might need a little break. But June and July, I'm going to predict that the end of season four. Listen. We will get you your Black Widow review at the end oh, of May. Oh, yeah. Oh, like, yeah. that's happening. Don't worry. Well, and it's funny. Y'all don't know. I mean, I guess it doesn't feel like we usually take the summer months off because in the past... We'll release we've episodes. Had, we've had a ton of... Well, usually you have some sort of conference. Conference. Where a ton of interviews happen yeah. and release them over the summer. That's right. But y- we do usually take those months off. That's but, right. Yeah. Yeah. But don't I'm worry, if you're here for the Marvel, camps. we'll get your Black Widow review in in May. Oh, yeah, very. That's like, that's, that's happening. That's up there. That's That'll be a high priority. I'm, I'm, I'm thinking that's priority. probably the season four finale. I'd buy that. Yeah. I'd buy that. That's, that's probably, that's probably I'm it. I'm, I'm ready. I mean, us ending a season on, an, on a Marvel movie? On a Marvel movie? I think that's just a given I mean, at this point. We ended season one that way. We ended season two that way. Yeah. We did not. Well, season three was a weird one. Season Once three almost never real. ended. It didn't. I think we were like, if I stop recording videos, or not videos, oh God, podcasts. podcasts, I might just like cease to exist. Right. It's, this is what gives week to week definition right now. Yeah, that's, that's right. Um, that, that was basically that was, the spring and summer. You all remember May 2020, Vocal Fam. It was a weird time. May it not repeat. May, may, it, may it not. Uh, anyway, so we hope maybe vocal fam, maybe you're listening. Maybe you've already been vaccinated. Who knows? Um, hope you're. Yeah, hope I you're think s- that's coming soon. Is because like I, since I'm a, technically a teacher, like I'm in education. Yeah, we're Group One B. Um, that, but yeah, that's us. Uh, yeah. We, I know Mississippi is currently out of vaccines. Yeah, I think Georgia is too. Um, so we're we're, we're expecting a large shipment in February. Um, so who knows? Maybe by mid-March. They sent out like a survey at my school to see who would want, like, if they just brought vaccines to, to the school, school, who would just do that? And I was like, yep, me. Anything yeah. that doesn't involve me having to like go somewhere, sure. Yeah. <laughs> right here. Yeah, they're working on the same thing for us, but I, I don't know. I have a feeling we're just gonna go down to the health department and yeah, do the drive, yeah. do the drive-through. Well, it might be faster. Um, yeah, for sure, I think. Anyway, uh, okay, vocal fam. So the other thing we wanted to touch on today—very important thing. Not, to not, on. not any surprise to anyone who's been yeah. paying attention to anything more than Bernie Sanders memes. Those have been amazing. I have really enjoyed those over the, the past the, few it, days. The internet was winning this week. It was, it was honestly refreshing. Oh, I for think that to be what my feed was filled with, as opposed to what was refreshing was that it was coming from both sides of the political oh, yeah. aisle. Oh, just everybody was like, "This is funny." <laughs> my favorite I- one, though, I just still think. I mean, Bernie on the on the in the cat in Captain Picard's chair on the Enterprise was pretty I great. I haven't seen that one. Oh, I'll send it to you. I um, haven't seen that one. That I've was seen a, a lot. Per- that was a personal favorite. I liked the uh, Cell Block Tango one. Cell Block Tango. Yeah, that was a good one. Very I, I good. That. My WandaVision one that I shared yesterday yeah. is a favorite. 
That's a good one. I still think my favorite, though, was like one of the very first ones that was like 10 a.m., drop off the dry cleaning. 11, go to Joe's thing. One, <laughs> yes. one, go by the post office. Uh, yeah, I've loved all the jokes like, dressed like, this was not his whole day. <laughs> Someone drop in for a bit. Yeah. Gonna go have some lunch, go to Joe's thing, go to the post office. <laughs> I, I chuckled at all those, cracked me up. That, that was probably the highlight of, well, maybe not the highlight, but. It was definitely that. good comic relief for that this week. That was the meme of this inauguration on up there with, I think last time, um, I loved all the videos from 2016 where George Bush couldn't like figure out his rain poncho. Do you remember oh, that? Oh, I forgot about that. I, so people have like a few people brought that back sort of as a joke saying like, this was like, like, okay, is this just a thing now? Every four years we get a little comet gold. I had forgotten about that completely. <gasps> I did it. <laughs> but Bernie's, Bernie's mittens, man, they were. Oh, those were really nice mittens. They I were. I was like, the rest of your outfit is like, I bought this at Walmart, but those gloves. Well, Dr. Glasner shared with me, he's a big baseball fan. I, yeah. I don't know if you know that, but. He shared with me that Tops, the baseball card company, had already put out a Bernie Amazing. inauguration baseball card. Amazing. Totally bought it. Amazing. I've seen totally a lot of ordered it. I've seen a lot of merch with it already, like And I love how he ended it that he released a sweatshirt hoodie. That's what I saw. That all proceeds are going to Feeding America. Which is awesome. Absolutely. I mean, yeah, take advantage of something like, like this. Like, hey, let it, you know, like, all Let's right. Let's just do it. Let's rock it. That's great. I also saw the meme. I don't know. Did you have the thing where you got logged out of Facebook last night? Yes. Yeah, it happened to me too. Uh, I saw a meme this morning and it was Bernie Sanders in, in the chair, but also at a computer. Like, you're going to make fun of me on the internet? I'll show you. I chuckled at that. One of my favorite parts of it all was though that like every time I would see one, did you see the one I made? Maybe. Oh, Remind. I've you're seen not, so you're, many. You're not in the Soundjack Facebook group, are you? No, so I probably okay. didn't. So I made one that just across his chest, it just says down with the 111. Yeah, that doesn't mean anything to me. The best thing, the best thing though about the 111 is what you get when you're port forwarded on Soundjack. Uh, I get it now. Um, but, but... <laughs> Uh, my favorite part of all of them was like putting Bernie subtext like to the meme like on the on the on the cell block tango it's like Cicero yes. lip shits and I was like healthcare yeah. I've I have very much enjoyed those memes this week like gonna go to Joe's thing it just it wasn't his whole day I get it I get it Wanda, Wanda, are you having babies? Are there two of them? Oh, gosh. Speaking of. <laughs> okay, speaking so of. a nice transition. If you've not seen the first three episodes of WandaVision, this would be your point then to check watch out. Then go them. They're not you that should, long. You should go watch them. They're, they're not that long. And while you watch them, you should then go back and watch the trailers again. Uh, there have also That's been crazy. some very good media coverage helping you fill in. Listen, I, here's what I would say about this show. Kind of in the same way that Mandalorian, you can value it a lot more if you're familiar with Clone Wars and Rebels. I think that WandaVision, you can value a lot more if you are familiar with the comics. That's what I've heard. And I've appreciated the amount that people have posted yeah. with context. So I comics. really think that you should go watch Nerdist's reviews... 
Um, there have been some other outlets. I, I would not trust something like just random ABC news about it or something. Don't don't listen to that. Yeah. Like actually go to a nerd. Find your nerds. Find you your trust. nerds. Everybody go to has go to nerd. go to comicbook.com's reviews. Yeah. Go to Nerdist. Like I... go to some trusted nerd resources. Mm-hmm. And it will help you contextualize both the characters that you might anticipate, the Easter eggs that have already been thrown in. Yeah. Because Marvel, as we know, Marvel puts Easter eggs in... Everywhere. 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 Uh, that's very much Kevin Feige's brand. And I'm loving it. But Marvel has never done... Okay, so if you've not watched WandaVision, this is your spoiler warning. Go away. We love yeah, you. go. Shoot. shoot we love you. I, Actually, yeah. better. Go watch the first three episodes and then and come, come back, back and listen to the rest of this. It's not that long. Like, at this point, you're three episodes behind. It's an hour and a half. It's, yeah, it's, it's 90 minutes. Easy. Um, we're not, we're not but here's also what I want to say about that. If you don't, please, and Vocal Fam, if you are a big Marvel fan, but you were here for the explosions and the smash it up, bash it up. It's not this. Know that Bucky Falcon is coming. That's true. And there's going to be a lot of bang it up, smash it up action in Bucky Falcon. Yeah, these are mind games. This is different. This is optical illusions this is and an, intrigue. This is, a, this is a J.J. Abrams mystery box. I'm loving it. In an art piece about television inside of a superhero universe. I love it. My I, wife adores it. It's her I, favorite Marvel product ever. I was not expecting to love it this I mean I knew I would love it but like the first episode you're sitting there like wow this is this is different this is yeah. really different but by, I mean but it's good and by the third one you're like oh my gosh what's going on like right. I feel like this I'm, episode it all of a sudden became like things start clicking 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 in the Oh place. okay this is what we're doing okay okay uh, so Sarah so like wh- wh- where are you right now after 3 episodes in like, obviously, in the third episode, we realized it, Wanda is inside the dome or the force field or the yeah, whatever. whatever. Yeah. Um, and, and that's been confirmed now. I mean, yeah. okay, great. And obviously, the sword agent had snuck in probably underground yeah. through, the, through the sewers. I guess. Okay, so what's your biggest theory right now? What are you buying as to... Who's holding Wanda there, or are they even holding Wanda there? And who's the big bad of the series? What are we? What are we? What are, what are we anticipating right now? It's so hard for me to say. I go back and forth. Yep. Sometimes I think that she is being held prisoner somewhere, yes. in essence, being tortured. I, I'm guessing by whatever Hydra has turned into, based on some of the clues that have been. Okay, dropped. so you're going the aim theory. I guess. I don't know all the theories right now. So okay. that's one of mine, though, is that maybe she's being prison tortured, and this is her way of coping and protecting and holding on. Okay, so vocal My- fam, for you, it, on that point, aim, advanced, intelligence, shoot, what's the acronym? AIM is an organization that was introduced in Iron Man 3 um, in the computer files that, he, that yeah. Tony found in Iron Man 3. AIM is probably what Hydra has morphed into. Mm-hmm. The question is, has AIM and AIM in the comics all look like beekeepers? The question is, is it AIM and have they already infiltrated S.W.O.R.D. 
like Hydra infiltrated S.H.I.E.L.D. Okay? So just catching the vocal fam up, that's, that's the, the that's theory there. One of my theories. My other theory, which mm-hmm. is a lot sadder to me, mm-hmm. is that nobody's forcing her to do this, that this is her way of, of dealing with grief over Vision. And in these last... I, I'm not even sure it's taking place over that long of a period of time in actuality. I mean, that it this is in fact taking place in a matter of seconds or minutes and that she's trying to live out an entire life with vision in her mind. And I think that's a lot sadder and I almost hope it's... Even though I, I like it, but it makes me really sad. Okay, so I kind of like that theory. Except I'm going to take that kind of an altered path. Okay, what's yeah, what's yours? Agnes says the devil is in the details. One of Wanda and Vision's main villains in the comics is Mephisto. Mm. So the likelihood that Mephisto is the big bad of this series is either they're trying to get us to believe that that's the case. Yeah. As a red herring, or it just is the case. That's the thing with with Marvel. You just never know. You just never know. But in the comics... Mephisto does even kidnap Tommy and Billy. So, I mean, I think the likelihood that Mephisto is in this series is high. I think it's even likely that maybe he won't be revealed until the end because he's actually the villain for multiverse. I could see, yeah, I love how they're already tying in some multiverse, like, some, okay. some concepts into this. Like, I was like, oh, I see where we're setting up. But I'm not train. sure that this is the multiverse yet. Not yet, not yet. So here's my theory is actually that Mephisto found Wanda in her grief. Mm. And she, because Mephisto is literally Mephistopheles. Yeah. Literally the devil. She, he offered her a deal with a chance to bring Vision back. I would buy that. But he offered her the deal without her knowledge that the twins would be part of that. And so he was using her to literally hex the twins into existence. Because they end up becoming weapons for Mephisto. And so my guess, my theory right now, and there's way more wackadoo so theories many. but my my main line mainstream this is kind of what most people think is happening and I, I i'll go with this one for the moment is that mephisto either had trapped wanda against her will or trapped her with her consent and she thinks that in this reality she can make the reality real enough to remanufacture, reanimate vision. I I've wondered that if it's sort of a way, which like, it's funny if that's the theory because like this vision is obviously not quite like the vision we knew, and for, yet he is self-aware. He's self-aware, and yet she also does have control over him. But I love that like this is obviously to some degree something she has control over this universe. Yes. And I love that like when her, whenever her focus is maybe distracted or like, it's like 
She there loses control. There are limits to her abilities because Vision pretty much functions on his own. It's like he he's the most fleshed out thing and she lets him run until something happens and then she resets. Most of the other townspeople, it seems like they have much simpler constructs, but also seem to have a degree of awareness when her her concentration is kind of broken, a.k.a. Right. birth. But I love that, like, in this last episode, you could see that the in the town, um, beyond, like, a certain point, the backdrops are painted, you know? Like, yes. Yeah, the, like how much of the town exists at any given and time. And, like, Herb goes from cutting the shrubs to cutting the wall. Yeah, I thought that was it. Like, things are going off. There Something are questions is- about who Herb is. There are some theories that he's a normal Marvel character anyway. Yeah. I think Agnes is definitely Agatha Harkness. I think that that's... I love that theory. That's obvious I love, to and me. And there's enough clues with that's, the, like, brooch and stuff. The question there is... Has Mephisto trapped her there and has imprisoned her after some deal that she made with him? And so they're actually trapped, but they're actually villains? That would be... Or is she working for Mephisto? Or is she working for someone else? Like, there's so many interesting things. I just... Obviously, obviously Monica Rambeau went in to try to rescue Wanda. Yeah, well, or like the radio, like someone's trying to get her out. That of was, um, that was, um, that was Jason w- Wu, right? Yeah, mm-hmm. that was his yeah, character was- from Ant Man. Yeah, for sure. Oh. Who's probably acting as an agent of Sword now? Which makes um, sense. I mean, we were already introduced to Sword at the end of Spider Man, so I mean, it's not like totally we didn't see Sword coming. Yeah, yeah. It's just I love the limits that are placed on things. Right. And I also love the, the like, adherence to the TV thing. But it was also interesting that, I guess, in the fact that his line is, who is doing this to you, they don't know. Mm-hmm. Like, they don't know why she is there and has created this bubble universe. Well, and that's why I, I half wondered, like, is she do like, is it all just her? Did she just... But to what end and for what purpose? <sighs> to escape reality. I mean... Maybe? I don't know. I don't know. Maybe. It feels like it could be more. It feels like somebody's trying to almost like the real, like the the stones have been whatever destroyed or whatever, and now she is somehow what's left of both. Oh gosh, Vision is the mind stone, mind stone, and she has reality. So is yeah. she both of those? Because she kind of destroyed Vision at one point. Like you know, I'm I'm kind of. I hope that they don't make this about the Infinity Stones. That story is tired. Yeah. But I do think one way or the other, at the end of this, there will definitely be a hole ripped in the multiverse. Well, and l- Because, yeah. you know, apparently already the, the actor who played Quicksilver in the Mut- New Mutants is in this series. Well, that brings it. I wonder... It, so as is, far as he, Mephist- is he Pietro from the multiverse setting up what Spider-Man will be like? Well, or like, is Wanda trying to get vision from a multiverse? Like, is that sort of the idea that like, if she br- rips open this hole, could be that of the vision, like that that's how she can. Re- I don't know. I don't know. There's could so be. many interesting directions it could go. There are other, you know, people have theorized that the one symbol was the Grim Reaper symbol, that that's another possible villain. Huh? I hadn't thought about um, that. Strucker is an interesting construct because Strucker creates Wanda, but not that version of Strucker. 
Yeah. Not the original Hydra, because there also is a character named Hydra. It huh. could be that that Strucker is Hydra. Um, that's kind of would be a weird twist, I think, because it was obvious in the MCU that Red Skull created Hydra. Um, I am loving the ads, and I'm trying to decide how much okay. importance to place on them. Now, the most intriguing thing that happened to me in episode three okay. was not that scene between it was not vision's little mind skip where all of a sudden he rewound mm-hmm. and it was, which was cool. Which is cool. And, and it was not it the scene with Monica Rambo where she goes, Ultron killed your brother. Like, Holy cow. Did yeah. that make Wanda mad? Yeah. Um, and obviously that is Captain Marvel's friend's daughter. Yeah. Yeah. I've loved, I've, when I first saw that, I was like, oh, that's who. Yeah. And Monica Rambeau is a character in the, in the Marvel Universe who has her own power. She is Photon. Actually, at different points, she's been Photon. She's been another character whose name eludes me. And actually, at one point, Monica Rambeau was Captain Marvel. Oh. Um, so anyway, so that's, that's, a, that's a thing. I, I think the likelihood that she'll be Photon is pretty high. But um, the thing is... With that scene, the ad, the the ad was the most intriguing thing to me this week. Yeah. It was actually, particularly when you consider the ad also in the context of the watch ad from the week before. Yes, the watch ad was so, that one, the week before, I was like, oh my gosh, what's happening? The time on the watch ad was two, four, two. Oh, I didn't notice that. Avengers issue 242 is when the beyonder shows up and starts collecting avengers and taking them if you remember the soap ad to another world oh which starts secret wars I wonder if that's like... There was a theory after week one that the Beyonder would be the big bad of this series. If they're going that direction, that is that is a Marvel deep dive, and it is nuts because the Beyonder is one of the most powerful villains in the MCU. He's yeah. a Thanos-level bad. I'm okay with that. I don't think they're going to go that far. This I think the bad being Mephisto is likely. But gosh, if it's the Beyonder and they're already saying, hey, Phase 4 is going to end with Secret Wars, that's crazy. I don't, I don't see it, though. I don't, I, don't, I don't see that being the direction. Because we, yeah. know, we know that with Loki being about time, we're going to get Kang the Conqueror. Like, Kang the Conqueror has already been cast, and like we're headed toward Ant-Man and this time travel stuff, and... Like, obviously, with Ant-Man 3 finishing up Phase 4, like, we're obviously heading toward, and Kang the Conqueror already being cast. Like, we're, we're heading in the kind of multiverse quantum realmy part of the universe. We're heading in that direction. Yeah. Like, Mephisto also has battled Doctor Strange, so that would be an interesting, you know, again... Way to lead into... Right. Some people, before they even started doing episodes, had actually tried to wonder if Dormammu was the big bad of this show, and we were bringing back Dormammu. Because Dormammu is Doctor Strange's main nemesis. Yeah. 
Um, Maybe. And obviously, Doctor Strange did not kill Dormammu. No. Um, and Dormammu is a Thanos-level big bad. I mean, yeah. the guy eats planets. Um, like Galactus, in a sense. Uh, well, he actually traps planets. He doesn't eat them like Galactus. But, you know, I was telling Michael this last night. Really, at this point, I'm just enjoying WandaVision. It's a I great really, show. It's very thought-provoking. I honestly, I was telling Jamie, I love that the episodes are only 30 minutes. It's kind mm-hmm. of refreshing mm-hmm. to not have, like, I don't know what the difference is between 30 and 45 minutes, but... It's also interesting that the movie studio that made a 22-movie-long television show is now making television shows. Is making television shows that are, like, truly 30-minute... Te- it's also nice because they don't have ads. I think that's refreshing. But, um, yeah, it's just refreshing. It's different. It's thought-provoking. And, like... Yeah, it's good. You, I don't know. You can watch it and, like, yeah, it is kind of intense and it, it pulls you in, but it's not heavy. No. I don't walk away from an episode going, okay, I need to, like, no. <laughs> lay down now. And I've loved, I mean, the art part about the television homages has it's been beautiful, great. beautiful, yes. It's been great. I mean, just, you know, from Mary Tyler Moore to the Brady Bunch to Bewitched. To, I mean, it's I been, loved the Bewitched nod because I loved Bewitched when I was a kid. It's it's great. It's classic. And, and it almost makes you excited about, like, oh, what television show are they going to send up this week? Yeah, you know? what is, what is you it know, now? As we move into, like, the 70s and whatever, are we going to get, like, an All in the Family? Are we going to get, you know, whatever? I mean, are we going to get, like, a Wonder Years motif at some point? Or are we going to oh, get a Cheers is he going to be in a bar? Vision going to go that to the bar and get a Cheers motif or something, you know? Yeah. Because, um, I mean, the house was very reminiscent of the Brady Bunch house this week. It was. It was. So that's just she a re- fun element. Yeah. yeah. I. That's really fun. I enjoyed it. Um, the stork was weird. Okay, so Speaking there's one theory that actually thinks that the stork and the reason she didn't have power over the stork was that the stork was Mephisto. Oh, like... Okay. Okay. Almost. And that's why she couldn't change the stork. Yeah. Yeah. I thought that was interesting. Like, I was like, this is weird. Like, is it supposed to be that this is a weird alternate universe and stork literally is going to bring the babies? Is it? I I, I don't know. Um, I'm just enjoying it. You know, because like from a, from an intrigue standpoint, I was also telling Michael this last night, the only things that, are left to me about intrigue, particularly after D23 and all those announcements at D23. The only part of intrigue that I really have for Marvel right now is who's going to play the first family, what actors are going to play the first family, and what actor is going to play Victor Von Doom. That's all I want to know. That's, that's really That's really all I want to know. Oh, see, I have and a lot I'm, of questions. And I'm sure we're going to get Von Doom in the first Fantastic Four movie, I'm certain of it, or Kevin Feige will be run out of town on a rail um, and never allowed to produce another Marvel product ever again. Mm. Even if it's just at the end of the movie. Yeah, um, that post-credit like, scene. We're going we to get introduced to, 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 to Doctor Doom in that movie. And I, I, think that, I think that probably, you know, because they've announced all these Phase 4 movies, right? And I'm just looking forward to them. I think they'll be great. Yeah. I think we're going to start to see the splintering of movies that happen on Earth and movies that happen galactically. I buy that. You know, Shang-Chi is going to be domestic. 
Black Panther 2 is going to be domestic. Captain Marvel is going to be universal. Universal, yeah. You know, we're going to... Guardians will be universal. universal. We're going to start to just see more of that split. And the villains will reflect that. Because I think we're on a 12-year arc. 12 years from now, he's Marvel 25. So I Whoa. think we're on a 12-year <laughs> arc. And Marvel 25 will be Galactus. And Doctor Doom and everything. The full, well, that's why I want to know who they're going to cast as the Fantastic Four ah. because those actors are going to essentially sign a ten-year contract. They're in it for the long haul. Those actors, like, that's a I didn't think about and that. think about the people they've been casting in these main screen roles. I mean, Mahershala Ali as Blade, domestic. Mm-hmm. Mahershala Ali is an Academy Award-winning actor, not Academy Award nominated. The dude has an Oscar. Yeah. You know, so whoever they cast as Victor Von Doom is going to be that level of, you know, and Mr. Fantastic, both of them. Like, they're... Yeah, I don't know who they'll cast as that. They're going to... Well, the internet still wants John Krasinski, and I don't see it. I think he's too old. I I don't want them to be that age when they start. I agree. And I I think... I still think they're holding Taron Egerton to be the next Wolverine. I don't even know who that is. Taron Egerton? We've talked about this before. I'm Taren, terrible at he, names. He was in um, Kingsman. He's the main... He was Look also... He was in... Um, how do I spell that? Uh, he was the lead singer. In, he was the, the, the ape in Sing. Um, oh, okay. I found him. Um, oh. The, he's still... I could see I, that. I still think he's the best shot at Wolverine, as, as the new Wolverine. I could see that. Um, but, like, for example, how about Remy Malik as Doctor Doom? That would be really cool. He would be a good one. That, like, like a direction like that. That's what I want to know. That's what Perna wants to know about the MCU, Vocal Fam. That, that's where I'm at. I have lots of questions. No. I'm just here for the ride. And I'm, I'm here for the ride. I'm, 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 I'm just going to enjoy it. Phase 4 at this point, and I'm here for the ride. Yeah. That's right. All right. Sarah, what would you have for breakfast? I had chocolate chip muffins. Good old chocolate chip muffins. They're tried and true. Can't go wrong. Love them. They were good. They were good. Hey, I I started watching Schitt's Creek. It's so sweet. It's so good. It's so good. It's been great because, again, it's like 30 minutes, so it's really easy to just put on like... It's like 22 minutes an episode. Yeah, they're nice and short. I can just put it on while we eat dinner. It ends by the time that's over, and then if I've got to go back to work or whatever, like... And there's nothing stressful in it. Nope. It's funny. Um, Granted, at different times, different characters, I take them when I want to shake. It it hit me this week. I've been watching, and Moira, I'm like, who... Why do I know this actress? Why do I know this actress? Why do I know her? And it finally hit me. She's from Home Alone, which I love. It's one of my favorite Christmas movies. And so that was mind-blowing for me. But I am very much enjoying it. Uh, I think David and Johnny are my favorite characters right now. Um, I could see that changing. Alexis will grow on you as the show goes. Right now... She annoys the heck yeah. out of me. Alexis like, will grow on you as you progress through the seasons. There are times I want to like come through the screen and slap her. At the I moment. think Alexis probably has the biggest. She has the most room to grow. Change of arc. Good. Um, and they, they all. I can tell they they're all, all being do. set up. Yeah, they all they, do. Some of them are moving, and 
some of them need to move faster. If they were all just as spoiled as they were at the beginning, then like I wouldn't be enjoying the show. Right. But the fact that you can already see a little growth is huge. And I will say, I think Moira is hysterical. I say oh. I didn't list her as one of my favorites, but I have been rolling at oh her character. Gosh. Like the one where she's having the meltdown in the closet and like it's cro- like that episode was hysterical to me. Like you have to. Like, that episode was hysterical. I think that's what hooked me. Like, okay, I'm gonna stick in. I'm gonna stick with this show. This is funny. So. You podcast and your Marvel movies are making me mm. thirsty. <laughs> I I just I just love the way she talks. It's hysterical <gasps> when she starts singing at the funeral. Oh, Danny boy. Yes. <laughs> Because that's where I'm still, I think I'm still in season one. I, I just finished the episode where, like, they think the town, they thought the town was going to get bought, but it didn't. And so David just drove away, <laughs> gets stuck on an Amish farm. That's where I'm at. It's fantastic. It's been great. It's been enjoyable. I'm, I'm enjoying watching it. A very sweet show. for It is. It was, yeah. Would recommend if you're Hi- looking for something. Yeah, Schitt's Creek, highly recommended. Yeah, if you're looking for something light, not a huge commitment. It's good. And I pretty like it. pretty darn clean. There's not, I mean, there's some cursing, but nothing. Oh, you want to know what else? Yeah, there's really, it is surprising. And no movie. sex or violence. Not really. You want to know what, speaking of the, all of those things, I the audiobook I finished listening to? Good Omens, finally. Good Omens! I yes! love it. I never watched the TV show when it was Oh, relevant. I loved the book so much more than I the show. Love, okay, that's good. I have loved the book. Loved it. I thought it was fantastic. I loved it. Um, and it made me want to go watch the show. And I haven't yet. And I probably still will watch to it. To me, Gaiman just needs to be read. It's I buy that. Gaiman's treatment of, of language. And, and particularly writing with that partner. Like, I mean, imagine Amazing. actually writing a novel with a partner. I, I can't imagine. But I was... I really enjoyed it. I thought it was so fresh and different and well done. Yes. Well, you know, he, for a guy who actually, you know, in his life, of course, became an atheist or agnostic. I don't remember which. I mean, he originally had thought about being a priest. And so his knowledge of theology... It's impressive. And and just the way he weaves it into the narrative is incredible. it was very enjoyable. Like, I'm going to watch the show. I'm sure it won't. Because even even when I was reading it, I was like, I would be interested to see how this translates to TV. I feel like it could be tricky. And I'm sure it is still a good TV show. It's a good TV show. Particularly because, I mean, well, look at the two actors the cast. that are in it. Yeah. <laughs> I was looking at the cast and I was like, well, this can't be bad. But But all the stuff with the kids is really minimized in the TV show. I could... See, it really is about Tennant and and, and his, Michael uh, whoever uh, plays his Michael, Michael uh, Sheen. Sheen. Yeah, I could see that. Well, because I could also see like it would be very hard to for actual children to act that like the, the, yes. that. Yes, and, and the stuff with the kids could be problematic. Well, and they didn't do it so hardcore with the kids that like had they done it right, it almost would have been like ooh. This is children kind of this is kind of creepy. Yeah, um, that's I I that makes sense to me. And so it it came off, and maybe this was remember Gaiman was producer on the show too. I mean, maybe he really intended it for it kind of to be British campy. I buy that. I mean, the book itself it is of, not devoid of camp. Oh, 
goodness, I mean, no. Yeah. Um, I mean, but but gosh, the relationship between those two. Hysterical. Oh, it's so great. It's so good. Uh, it's been a while since I've read Aziraphale and... Crawley. Crawley. Um, I have oh, such enjoyed a good, it. Such a good read. Quite a Oh, bit, I bet so. that would be good on audiobook too, actually. It is. It's yeah, really good. The that. person reading it was really, really good. Um, I actually kind of intend to go read the actual, because I love reading physical books more, but a lot of times what I have time for are yeah, audiobooks. Yeah, I read that a couple summers back when they released the show, um, and before the show came out, I went ahead and read the novel first. Um, it's a, that's, a, that's a good read. That's a good, that's a good, uh, that's a good read. Sorry, did we cover breakfast yet? Yeah, muffins. Okay, cool. That's right. Yield faithful Sorry, muffins. Sorry, we, then we went into Shit's Creek, and then I got lost. Yeah, I had to fit in the, like, the things I've been saying I was going to do for a while. Some no, of them great. happened. That's great. So, All right. Okay. Well, Vocal Fam, um, that's it for us. Uh, yeah. More exciting times to come, to come. Uh, in the coming weeks. I have no idea what next week is, I don't think, because our guests start on February the... I think the first guest we've got lined up is February 13th. 13th? Oh, what... and by the way, Vocal Fam... I, I can't promise that we're going to have – I'm going to see, but I can't promise that we're going to get our treble ex- register extremes in this spring. I might push that episode to the fall as maybe like a big kickoff we're back episode in the fall. No, you were counting on us. Um, We'll get there. We're going to yeah. do it. Like we're going to do it. But the spring's already pretty booked. But we got so many things. Once I came up with this series idea, forgive me, Vocal Fam. I I just I felt like we needed to respond to some things. Yeah. Um. And so we're gonna get there. Okay. All right, Vocal I'm Fam. Pumped. That's it. We're out. Peace. <laughs>